Welcome to At The Movies. Sit back, crack a beer, and enjoy. Priority one, what do they want? Where are they from? And beyond that, how did they get here? Are they capable of fast in my travel? Are they in my life? list of questions that, you know, go over, starting with a series of just handshake binary sequences. How about we just talk to them before we start throwing math problems at them? Welcome to the ninth episode of At The Broovies, where uh, we talk about movies and drink beer. My name is Rob. I work in the film industry, and I went to film school. My name is Ben. I didn't go to film school, but I really love film. I'm a civil engineer, and uh, I've seen a lot of movies, and I like talking about them. My name is Tom, or Bowser. I am a lawyer, and I will be fact-checking. My name's Andrew. I work in radio. I don't like movies, so I just read the Wikipedia of every movie instead. Film, excuse me. Ben used them interchangeably. <laughs> Great. It's so, a talking picture. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the last episode, we asked our listeners what their favorite movie dogs were, because we talked about Wendy and Lucy. So we, we got a couple of responses. From Eric. Eric wrote in that he liked Cujo. Oof. That's a good solid he choice. He liked Cujo or like he liked yeah, the movie? That's like a see, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't interact. It's well with, well acted for know. a dog. Well acted for a dog. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's an interesting pick. Yeah. It's definitely iconic. Oh, of course. But uh yeah, definitely not not one to cuddle. No, no. no. That would be impossible. <laughs> the next one I got was from uh Maria who uh, wrote in Shadow uh, oh, from Homer Bound. Which one Bound. is Shadow? Uh, Bound. Love Homer Bound. Yeah. Can't think of the name of the other dog in that. That was yeah, what, what Michael is... J. Fox. Yeah. Uh, silhouette. Silhouette. <laughs> yeah. It was silhouette. And then there was the cat. That's a great movie. I need to rewatch that movie. I think the first I like the movie, song better. The song. Yeah, Homer Bound. It's a great fucking Paul song. Paul Simon? Yeah. Is it Simon Garfield or is it Paul Simon? I mean, it's all Paul Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Art Garfunkel is a, is a Garfunkel. figment of all of our imaginations. <laughs> Actually, fun fact, the sequel, Homeward Bound Lost what? in San Francisco. How do you have Homeward Bound 2? Um, the Gone? first movie I saw in theaters. Wow. Homeward Bound 2? Homeward Bound 2. You yeah. went and saw more movies? That's great. <laughs> <laughs> or you went to that movie and you're like, you know what? I should join this industry because they need some work. <laughs> they need some help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess they, they get lost in San Francisco or something. I don't know. I don't really remember it. It was mm-hmm. like an evil UPS driver, yeah. I think. That checks out. <laughs> Classic dog villain. They're scary, shitty brown suits. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone see the Garfield movie? The, uh, with, with Bill Murray? Murray. No. Yeah, they wouldn't see yeah. it. It was on no. TV how, at the time. How is wow. the portrayal of Odie? It's weird because Garfield is CGI and Odie is just a dog. That's what? So, weird. I don't like that. <laughs> so when they interact, it's like very bizarre. Though I do always like when Garfield makes him fall off the table in the comics. That's comic gold. <laughs> Lasagna. <laughs> Fucking Mondays, man. Am I right? <laughs> do any of us have a favorite movie dog? I got two. I've okay. been thinking Ooh. about it. Are these the Wikipedia dogs? No, no, no. These are movie dogs. Okay. Ooh, Sandlot? Sandlot, the beast. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good Hercules, one, I, I think. believe. Is, Hercules, uh, is his name? Yeah. I thought he was just the beast. All right. Well, and then, for uh, most of the movie, yes, yeah. You can call it a dog if you want, but Fluffy from Harry Potter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Three-headed that's dog. That's good. Uh, this isn't a movie, but I always, I, I really liked uh, Wishbone. <laughs> 
Wishbone, yeah, it's a good one. It's not not yeah. a movie, but uh picture book. Yeah, picture book. I was I was like the uh the dog from I Am Legend. Legend. Not a great movie, but the the dog is really good. Oh, you didn't like that movie? I liked it. Okay. Wasn't fantastic. Yeah. The okay. director's cut is interesting. It gives some more context. Yeah, I know they changed part of the the ending. Yeah, the the, yeah, the ending's totally different. That. Yeah. Um anyway. Anyway. That was you got a favorite movie, dog? I would have to say cuz I always loved this movie as a kid, 101 Dalmatians, uh, mm. Tango and Purdy, the uh, parents of the 101 Dalmatians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably. probably oh, and that scene when they alert That's all the dogs. The dog. and oh, that scene is so good. Oh, it's fantastic. They're barking throughout all. Do you guys know England. why firehouses had Dalmatians? Oh, wait, I did know um, this, but I forget. Um, because I just looked it up recently. They're easy to see against a red no. fire truck. <laughs> no, they just uh, they were there to keep the horses calm around fires. Oh, just oh. friendly with horses. And then when they got rid of horses, firehouses just kept Dalmatians as a mascot. Interesting. Yeah, very kinda. interesting. Huh. I like that. Why are they compatible with horses? I don't know. Did they <laughs> not have a fear of fire? Yeah, yeah, but like horses are easily spooked. I don't think dogs are the same. <laughs> Kind of spook yeah, situation. <laughs> they should change the phrase the from scary cat to scary horse. I, I guess so. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, here you go. Dalmatians were originally coach dogs, so they were trained to trot alongside carriages and, and protect them from bandits. Um, no, protect them from bandits. Oh. And highwaymen. Wait, what's a dog to... going to do that a horse isn't with a bandit? Well, the, dogs can bite. Yeah, and, uh, and the horses is attached Dalmatians to the coach. Are pretty, and the, the yeah. dog can just is a yeah, are, agent. Aren't Dalmatians pretty like well known for being aggressive? They're assholes, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that well, seems like a good that's... good good guard dog. They're guard. Guard yeah. dog. Um yeah. so what movie do we do this week? Yeah, so this episode we are going to discuss the twenty sixteen film Arrival, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Vill... <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Perfect right. pronunciation. He's I don't Canadian. Know how to say it. Yeah. He's Canadian? He's Canadian. He has French Canadian. He would probably be pretty upset about that if you called him that. He's probably <laughs> Quebecois. Quebecois. Yes. Quebecois. Quebecois. Oh. The movie stars Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, and Forrest Whitaker. It's based on a short story by Ted Chang called Story of Your Life. And shot by Bradford Young. And written by Eric Hussier. 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 I can't say this guy's yeah. name either. Hesser. Hesser. Uh, Wikipedia does not have a pronunciation. Okay, That's, yeah. he's he's agnostic. Oh, interesting. He also wrote the script for Bird Box. Okay, ah, Bird Box. <laughs> that was a fun one. <laughs> Who knew? Happy go lucky film. Yeah, but yeah, the, okay. I think this is going to be a fun one to talk about. There's a lot of um, a lot of neat aspects to this. So before we get going, Ben, do you want to give us a rundown, or or should we talk about? Wait, wait, beer? we should we should have yeah, beer first. Yeah, okay, yeah start let's, with let's crack beer. open this beer. Now, which one should we crack open first? I already de-iced the bottled beer. Uh, which one? Okay, bottled the one? dance okay. language. Dance language. Let's start with the bottle. So perhaps Bowser should. Um, yeah, Bowser picked it out. Discuss his rationales. Ooh, I picked Ooh. up this beer called Dance Language by Oxbow Brewing Company. Oxbow Brewing Company, I believe, is in southern Maine, and they are Newcastle, Maine, specifically. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And the beer is a farmhouse ale with single source honey, but they're all different flavors or varieties. The reason I picked it is because it is a beer that has the word language in it. And this movie focuses on language and communication. Uh, dance language is a form of communication, I suppose. As mm-hmm. noted by Michael Scott on The Office. Don't know if they <laughs> used that type. Yes. They could have tried to use that type of language with the aliens. Oh, I mean, yeah. they mentioned various they have seven ways lights. to communicate. Yeah. Like uh, the Chinese were using a game to communicate. They used mm-hmm. pictures and... Hey, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yes. Okay. But that was my rationale for choosing this beer. It's also it's sort very of... Very foamy. Yeah. It's a farmhouse ale. Single source honey, which it's like a saison then, I guess. But it's a little bit higher in alcohol. It's super um, foamy. But each one has a different herb added to it, I guess, right? Or different... Yeah. Yes. Plant. I believe they're all herbs. I have meadow fruit, which is a plant. I got Japanese knotweed, which is a plant and a pest. Yeah, it's an invasive plant. Yeah. At least here. Oh, it's very good. Um, I have I have black sage, which Ooh. I imagine is an herb. What is black like sage? sage? I have Maine wild blueberry. Oh, delicious. Okay. Yeah, it's this is fantastic. Good pick. Yeah, I thought it was sounded it interesting. Sounds like it'd be and... better than mine. Yeah, this you is don't like really good. Um, I don't love it. Uh, just kind of tastes green, you know, like when you eat, like how grass smells. Mm. I don't know. I I might have to warm up too. Yeah, well, come back Let to it. this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's got a lot of bite. It's mm-hmm. definitely an interesting beer. Yeah, like chewing this on a stem. It came in a four pack, four different varieties of the same farmhouse ale, and it was on the expensive side. Obviously, I mean, you expect these to be kind of expensive. I think it was sixteen dollars at Cool Vines. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Um, yeah, bars no, aren't open anyway, right? So, yeah. <laughs> truth. It uh, it's I don't know. I'm having a hard time describing it. I think there's not quite like a strong sage flavor per se, but it is sort of a a general subtle herby flavor, but not specifically sage. And maybe that's just the black sage because I don't really know what black sage is. I don't yeah, like, yeah. Hmm. It's good though. Ben, do you All taste right. the blueberries in yours? I, I, there's definitely a sweetness, but I do. I don't even get like a hint of blueberry. It's it huh. tastes like a huh. really good farmhouse ale, really to me. But sweet, yeah. you know, like that sweetness. So it's yeah. possible the varietal have less of a effect on the actual beer as we might have thought. Oh, right. oh, wait, similar. wait. It might be if it's single source honey. It could be honey from each type, each one of those types oh, of plants. Oh, maybe that's what it probably is. Probably right. It's probably from each flower. Uh, like the, you know how you have like, like the bees, honey, and, like yeah, the yeah, yeah. pollinate honey, the blueberries. Yeah, 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 yeah. I bet that's it. So in reality, these are right. less different than we thought. Yeah, in right. fact, probably not at all. Almost identical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting to do a side by side, a little like blind taste test, see if there is a, a noticeable difference. Well. Yeah. Not, I don't know if the this... listeners know, but we are actually all physically apart too, so we can't even do that. Oh. Yeah. Plus, we'd probably all <laughs> die if we t- tasted each other's beers. Yeah. And this beer does focus on the honey <laughs> because the name "dance language" is a reference to the language of honeybees. Oh, oh yo! Duh, this beer yeah. just keeps getting better and better. A lot of layers. A lot of layers. Yeah, so many layers. layers. Like a like a honeycomb. Like an ogre. Like an ogre. <laughs> <laughs> Those always make me cry. 
Just in case our <laughs> listeners have not seen the Shrek movie. Oh, the, <laughs> the brewery does have the a obscure, cool logo. Some obscure DreamWorks release. Yeah. Shrek. <laughs> we'll get to that someday. It's real arty film. All right. While we drink these, Ben, you want to give us a little uh, summary of, of the movie? So uh, my summary is go watch the movie because this movie is about like how the story is told, even though the content of the story is also super important. So there we meet a woman played by Amy Adams. First scene kind of has this up vibe. Very sad opening. She's got a daughter that clearly has a terminal illness. Then we uh, see the rest of the story unfold. She's a linguist. She's teaching at a school and then aliens arrive on the planet. Hence the name Arrival. Then she gets brought in by the military to help decode or communicate with the aliens. And she teams up with Jeremy Renner's character, who's a, a astrophysicist, I believe, or a theoretical physicist. They take some time to learn how to communicate with these crazy aliens. And they kind of fall in love. And yep, they're called heptopods. And uh, the movie is a lot about communication and uh, how language sort of impacts the way you think and uh the movie ends with uh, sort of this realization that she can see the future and uh she can't really do anything to change it even though it is very sad that she uh her daughter dies that is the very brief summary of this movie go watch it it was a very brief summary <laughs> yeah, it had a really long Wikipedia page. So that was interesting. <laughs> well, there's summary. a lot of ins and outs that we can get into a little bit later, I think. Yeah, right? we'll, we'll get over it. Yeah. Aliens come. She gets superpowers and can see in the future. That's all that's true. Know. Yeah, I guess that's true. Or she changes the way she's <laughs> thinking. And she experiences. Yes. I, I don't know if it's seeing into the future, but I think she changes the way she thinks because of the language. And then she experiences future events in a different order. She chooses to make the choices that lead to those events as well. Yeah, which is a question of free will. Should definitely, yeah, yeah, we should we'll discuss later. Yeah, in the yeah. themes. It's one of those movies where there's a lot to sort of wrap your head around. It's it's a movie that rewards spending the time to, to think about after you've watched it and rewards rewatching for sure. Yeah, uh, this is the third hmm. time I've watched it. It's a great movie. I really like it. Uh, but this time, what really stood out is how dark the movie is. Like, it's just visually dark mm-hmm. like it's hard to yeah. see yeah when they're in the mil- the the quickly built military base they don't have many lights in there you'd think they yeah have well, that, a, like a hospital or something you know a bunch of spent all their money on guns what's well, a it's I a guess. particular uh style of the cinematographer bradford young right he tends to like at home yeah it was really dark and it's not entirely dark but overarchingly it it felt very huh. dark yeah, he shot solo also the Star Wars. Uh, story, oh, which I thought you meant, I thought like, you he meant shot he, by like, himself. did it by himself. Yeah, no, that's, the that's no, he shot the movie solo, which also is on the dark side. <laughs> I did not mean to do that, actually. But you did. <laughs> but I did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. I think the movie solo. No, the yeah, cinematography. I was going to take a hard, hard left turn <laughs> midway through this podcast. I don't know how much, you know, character development or anything like that is really what this movie is about. I think it's more about your concepts of language and how you think about language. No, I, well, I, I think I know it. Better the words like it's more about the theme of the story and making you think about both language and how you how you think 
and then how you think about it. Yeah. How, how how you you think think about it it and how you perceive the future. And definitely like most stories, there's a free will versus fate sort of concept. And I would agree. The character development isn't that great. The acting honestly was like, "Eh, it's fine. In my opinion. I mean, do you guys think Amy Adams is a good actress? Yes. I think some of the writing too was a little funky. I'm not sold on it. Some of the dialogue felt a little heavy handed, which is kind of, I think, what Bowser's trying to get at. Like the characters almost don't seem like real, but they don't have but to be. Secondary it's about to the, the theme of the. Yeah, yeah it's about the, the theme. characters. Yeah, the characters are secondary. You don't really get to know the physicist, Ian Renner's character, that much, except for the fact that he's he's there and he's. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you do get to know Amy Adams' character. I mean, that's the one character that you sort of get to know, but only. They kind of just represent um, represent ideas. Yeah. yeah, yeah, represent ideas or institutions or something. Like I thought, Forrest Whitaker, he's a great actor, and it's a limited role, but it's not so. I think deep, basically right? what I'm saying is I think this movie is more about thinking. It more makes you just think about the theme and the concept more than the story sure, or right. the characters. Hmm. That's mm-hmm. my thought. I don't think I've ever seen a movie with Jeremy Renner in it, which is probably my own fault. But like he always just looks like he's gonna be furrowing his brow at everything. I think that's just the way his forehead is. That his brand? Is. Yeah, oh. I think I think that's his forehead. You sure he's not just like looking at it and being like, hmm, all the time. Is he, he an action star? Is he, what is his? What yeah, is his, he, I mean, he's he's, what is his shtick? His main thing is is he? Well, he's Hawkeye in the Marvel what? movies. So I haven't seen a single he was one. He's in of those. two of the Mission Impossible movies. That's right. Maybe, yeah, maybe one. Isn't he in a Bourne? Furrowing his brow. Yeah, he is. He's um. He's in the the Bourne spinoff movie, Bourne Legacy. Oh, like if he, so he, he feels like a low rent existing action movies, and he yeah. just sort of like sneaks into them. It's like a low rent <laughs> Matt Damon to me. He was the um uh the lead in Hurt Locker also. Oh, oh yeah. I should watch that. That's I really like you I should, should watch that. Yeah, yeah all right. Well, I probably won't. I don't know. He's like um yeah. he's great. I I think this character again to Bowser's point is like a little limited. It's not okay. the deepest character in my opinion. um his character was scaled back a bit from the story the original story i think he had more of a presence um mm-hmm. in the original short story than he does then they found out it was going to be jeremy renner playing the character so they scaled it back no i think they just they gave but movies the are only allowed a, a certain <laughs> amount of furrowed brow <laughs> they had to they had to cut it down for the uh, canadian market <laughs> for the canadian yeah. um well so they could get that rating all right so my full review of the wikipedia page yeah well, it is, yeah it is good. It's is a good it really? one this week. Yeah, compared okay. to last week, which uh, Wendy and Lucy was trashed. There were like four sentences. <laughs> this one's nice and long. I feel like I watched the movie, <laughs> which is the point, right? <laughs> yeah. That's why. That's why. Wait, did it tell it that dis- disjointedly? Well, it starts with the, the thing about her her daughter dying. First thing, first line, her daughter yep. dies. And then at the yeah, end, it's... it explains why they know that her daughter dies. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Okay. Um, I didn't read the short story. I kind of wish I had, but I'm not going to now. Yeah. I mean, you should. Um, it's different yeah, enough might. anyway. I might. There's an interesting little thing in here, which I'm sure we can talk about later, but that they changed the plot of the movie after the release of, of Interstellar. Wow. Oh, yeah, they did. I yeah. forgot about that. Instead of language, the gift from the heptapods was going to be blueprints to a ship. But after Interstellar, what? they changed. Yeah. That yeah. is a vastly different story. Yeah. But in the short story, the gift is language, right? I believe so. Yeah, but in the in the the, the script that they were going to work on was Yeah, because the they, gift was blueprints to a ship like an ark to enable humanity to help them in 
3,000 years. Yeah, and I think the idea was for the movie, they wanted something a little bit more tangible because moviegoers, for some reason, people think are dumber. (laughs) Well, film watchers are not, but moviegoers are. (laughs) (laughs) What about cinephiles? No, I get get why they would change it, but it does... I don't know if we'd be talking about this movie now if they had kept that change. Just made some I agree. Movie. I, yeah, no, I agree 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They might have made more money, though. But, like, would she have <laughs> this movie didn't do bad. been able to perceive time? In, in I that, think, no, yeah, because if I remember correctly... The way she does? Andrew, you, you probably know better because it's on the Wikipedia page. But I think the idea mm-hmm. is the language is still there and can, she can... The whole time thing is still there. But the ultimate tool, weapon, whatever gift that they give... Yeah, humanity mm-hmm. is blueprints, not the language. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. language is part thrown of that in. Yeah, yeah like you can't read these blueprints without knowing the language, language. something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but after Interstellar came out, they said, "Oh no, 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 no!" Matthew McConaughey did it already. He's a high rent. Also, oh, uh, I've seen that Jason Bourne, or what would you say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, low rent Matt Damon, but he low could rent be a Matt high Damon. rent Jason Bourne, whatever. <laughs> but Matt Damon's <laughs> in Interstellar. Means. <laughs> oh yeah that seems is. like a paradox oh shit <laughs> my head just exploded um do we do a quick beer check has everyone enjoying their their yeah their i was just th- i just put my nose in mine yeah uh, yeah i've been i've been smelling mine quite a bit here's another difference so andrew you're drinking out of a glass ben and i what? are drinking out of a wine oh, glass so the beer says it should be drunk out of a goblet or it does oh, shit i'm gonna go get i'm gonna go get a cup i'm going to go get go it. get a goblet hurry I think it does help smell it because it is a very herbal beer. Well, I didn't have yeah. a goblet, but I have this uh, oversized medieval times glass. <laughs> Perfect. So I figure that's appropriate. Well, I should have rinsed this out. So what I was saying before... It's a bug in here. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. Maybe just did with the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what I was saying before Ben Lass was that this beer actually, Oxbow Brewing Company, only last week began distributing in New Jersey. Oh. So you, we would have I not seen any Oxbow beers in New Jersey before that, I don't think. Any of the, uh, the beer people out there that are listening, I think a lot of the beer things just changed this week because of coronavirus. Oh, they're trying really? to expand distribution? Like, yeah, so like um, Alchemist, who made Teddy Topper and Focal Banger, which are, have been mm-hmm. like like legendary beers that are impossible to get anywhere, like people pay $40 a can for them, mm-hmm. are like available in New Jersey right now. Wow. And no one knows if that's going to stay that way or not. They're just but trying they're to offset. Now. Yeah, but they're here sales. now. Just typically, like, like that's like a, a beer tourism de- like destination. Mm-hmm. It's also in like a beautiful part of Vermont, which helps. But like, people will go there to buy that beer. Yeah, but now they're selling them here for like eight dollars a can, which is a, a good deal. For, for yeah, if, <laughs> compared to four to be able to buy it. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, thanks, coronavirus. Thanks. Are the beers growing on us, or what? Are you, what yeah, are you I, I like it. I, I mean, I'm also a big fan of farmhouse sales and saisons anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely it, better warm. You get more smell. Really off of it. interesting. Oh, you do get I like, more. Smell. I like it better warm. I'm uh, I'm really liking it. Yeah, I usually don't like farmhouse or saisons, and I really like this. So whatever our rating system ends up being, this is going to get pretty close to the top of those charts. Well, great. So I think we can dive into some of the technical stuff. Ben already sort of brought up the cinematography. So the the cinematographer, Bradford Young, is kind of known for just not quite underexposing all his images, but keeping it keeping them really low and really dark. It's kind of his look. Um, like I brought up the movie Solo before. 
Um, he also mm-hmm. shot Ain't the Body Saints. But what? I, I don't know that one. It's uh, with um, Casey Affleck and I think Rooney Mara is in it. Doing that kind of photography and then that kind of exposure sort of gives it more of an impressionistic look. The darks get a little bit softer, uh, not quite muddy, but soft. And the highs are pretty, like the highlights in the, in the image are sparse and um, are only there for when things are sort of important. And anyway, I, I think it, it adds like a almost a dreamlike kind of quality without going totally surreal. Which I yeah, think kind of like hazy, not hazy. Is that yeah, the right word? I don't know. No, hazy, I, I, I like hazy. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And that goes to how they depict the aliens. Yeah, in like oh, a yeah, hazy, for sure. foggy environment. You don't right. really see them. You just see like parts sort of like smoky, foggy mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. like contact. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of contact in this movie. There is. Um, <laughs> and Slaughterhouse Five. And Slaughterhouse Five. Uh, before too. we move on from Bradford Young. Do you guys know what he what his family does? No, I don't actually. Bradford Young. He comes from a, a funeral Young? home family. Oh, yeah, isn't that interesting? In I have a funeral home family who comes from a funeral home family, which I've never really is he that we- way. Is he weird? No, he's just a regular dude. Is he into like corpses and things? No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is that what you think people are doing at funeral homes? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, not like that. Just like in the train. Like, like what? They just think it's cool. <laughs> like, oh, cool, a body. Like, I'm, I'm personally like grossed out. Cool? By, oh, cool, a I'm body. Kind of like grossed out by it. It's kind of. If there was a body over there, I wouldn't want to be like, go check it out. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not like the kids in Stand by Me. I don't like train tracks. I don't want to just see a dead body. Wait, you don't like train tracks? What they, a weird thing they, to specifically not like. Yeah, it's like, really. Bizarre. Like, I like. You know, they're required don't... for trains. Like, yeah, but I like the tracks. They're just hemming trains into this little shoebox they have to exist in. <laughs> That's literally the point of trains. <laughs> you want the trains to be free. You want to, you want to set those. He wants free range trains. <laughs> free range trains. <laughs> free the trains. <laughs> no more trucks, just switches everywhere. <laughs> I think I think we need a ribbon for this. A nice railroad spike colored. I, I just don't there like the romantic idea of walking down train tracks. I think it's overdone. Because oh, of Stand oh. By Me, mostly. And Wendy and Lucy, aren't they? Don't they spend all this time on train tracks in that movie? Yeah, yep. there's a, there's no, a chorus big, of trains. Big part of it. Those two movies <laughs> just ruined train tracks. <laughs> yeah, wait, do you even watch these movies? I saw Stand By Me. Just just reading them on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, there's a bunch of pictures. You got to train tracks. I look like, at the ah. pictures. But yeah, I don't, I don't, so. I don't know. Train Where are train here. tracks in this movie? That's my question. There are. There are. Um, so let's get back to the movie. <laughs> yeah. Right, I don't yeah. think this that would fit that wouldn't fit this theme because trains are like, you know, forward back, and this movie's all about like trains are linear. So that's linear. It's like a train a track. track. Uh, except like the trains that go around the Christmas trees. That's a circle. They kind of done that. <laughs> yeah, but Wasted there's no order to the way they go, and that's the whole thing with the circles. Trains move in one direction. This does yes. not move in one direction. The trains move in two directions. Not at the same time. Okay. If they split in the middle. <laughs> okay. Anyway. anyway. Where are, oh, technicals. Um, so one thing, actually, I was surprised to, to learn, because I guess I had forgotten when the, when the movie came out, but it won a bunch of awards for its visual effects. Watching it now, 
a lot of them don't look great. I have to say. Really? Yeah. Um, which which part? Because like the aliens and her hair when she goes into this the smoky foggy place in the ship. Yeah. Um, that felt weird to me, but I thought yeah. it was supposed to feel kind of dreamy and yeah i mean i think kind of like contact it's supposed to be like a little like underwater but yeah like that scene in particular stood out to me her hair is clearly like cg it's not the best quality render Mm -hmm. it blended okay but it was the the actual cg work didn't maybe not the cg work per se but the rendering at least didn't seem great and then the other scene that really stuck out to me was when they first get on the ship and Jeremy Renner does his jump from the scissor lift to the yeah. to the floor and switches gravity. Mm-hmm. His body was clearly CG, wasn't great, but then his face was comped yes. in, and it oh was really swimmy. It wasn't tracked properly. Right. Yeah. So I definitely noticed that, and I just thought it was funny that the lights on their helmets don't shine out. They yeah. only shine on their faces. What? What is this? <laughs> yeah, I think maybe on IMDb it was like this movie includes the sci-fi trope where they light the inside of the spacesuit. <laughs> <laughs> Super practical for when you're working in the hazmat suit. Um, but yeah, I noticed that too. It just looked off where his head was in relation to the suit, especially compared to the other people who were clearly in real suits. Yeah, I think the the ships looked really good. I have to say, I was gonna say that I really liked when the ship cloaks or disappears at the end of the movie mm, and kind of mm-hmm. like turns into this wisp of cloud. I thought yeah. that was really, really well done. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But uh, yeah, it was just, it was just weird that like it stood out so much to me that the VFX weren't quite working. Uh, Cause that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty rare when that happens these days. Cause this movie's mm-hmm. not that old. It's only four years old. Uh, especially since other parts did look pretty good to me. I thought, yeah, the character work on the aliens was really good. I thought too. Yeah, what weird looking things. I know. Heptapods? Can you describe it? They look like Thing from the Adams family. Like a hand crawling. Yeah. It was seven fingers. Seven fingers. So there's seven legs. That's the that's what heptopod means, right? Seven legs. I know know what heptopod Uh means. I just was curious if they just gave them seven legs for no reason. (laughs) And they also have like this element of like squids or octopus in the way that their hands move and and each of the legs sort of has like they look kind of gross seven like things that can split yeah. off from it and you don't really see yeah. the, their whole body until the end of the movie that's true yeah and right. they're way taller than you think they are they're way yeah taller. and they kind of look like uh like the ghost of christmas yet to come it just feels like you're describing <laughs> contest <laughs> yeah that, that scene when no, you see them is yeah. super similar But yeah, in terms of technicals, the other thing that I wrote down was I thought the sound editing was really cool in terms of the way that they use sound to blend in the, I guess you call them flash forwards. They're not quite flash forwards if this movie's saying time is non-linear, so it's not quite, you know what I mean? Um, well, in a linear sense, that would be yes. in the future from the other right. but like uh, when, events of the story. But yeah. when uh, Louise, Amy Adams' character, is is seeing these future events I thought they used sound in a really interesting way to blend them in to the current scene where like a lot of times movies will make a flash forward or flashback or whatever feel very different than the present in order to separate them. And it, it makes it a little bit dreamier, right? Like more of like a vision kind of thing. But this like, yeah, exactly. yeah the shimmering, you know, um, but in this, the sound felt like it was directly part of the scene. 
Yeah, and, and the way they overlap it, like yeah, someone will exactly. be talking, and then you cut. I don't, there's probably a name for that in in film speak, right? Where no, I the think just audio stays, but you cut to a new scene. Oh yeah, there is. Um, well, there's a term for when you you start the audio of the next cut before you cut the picture. Um, yes, you know, just to soften that transition. But I can't remember off the top of my head what that's called. There is a term for that. But um, yeah, anyway, they they integrated those flash forwards really well and it it really helped sort of underscore like that she's experiencing both of these moments at the same time yeah i I thought that was a really really good way for telling that type of story i really especially the one that stands out is the scene when she asks for the word and it the zero sum game oh yeah because i think that scene is like it's stretched out i guess because they're only she's only remembering or seeing or future scene portions of it and it's probably like 30 minutes in the movie time for a two minute scene but you just get little pieces and you stay immersed in both storylines it's really really good right and that scene is sort of the crux where she starts to figure out what's happening Mm -hmm. where she starts to actually retrieve information from the um the flash forwards Mm -hmm. Um, and that was the other thing like in terms of plotting and cutting like it was really cool you see like the whole summary of her daughter's saga right in the beginning and then we see nothing else until she starts learning the language. And then oh, we yeah. get little pieces of the flash forwards. When you first saw this movie, I mean, I know I did. Did you think that's the past? Yeah, absolutely. And that's yeah. that's the idea, right. right? That's what they're trying to... I got the same feeling from the, the uh, Wikipedia page. Wow, that wow. is a well-told Wikipedia. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. And I'm trying to think of when I first watched it, when you really start to realize i think with with the non-zero sum game scene you start to feel like something's off but you don't know what exactly yeah when she is actually in the the space with the heptapods and she says who is this girl i'm seeing and then you're like whoa what what yeah yeah, yeah. and then everything you your daughter yeah <laughs> at that point you have enough information to move forward with that and you kind of fill in those blanks as soon as she she says that i think Mm -hmm. your brain fills in those blanks oh that's the future not the past yeah all all around technical i would say the the audio was good the sound but uh i think just the editing would seem to be the best technical aspect yeah and that's sort of uh, tied directly to how the story is plotted out determining Mm -hmm. when we get information and how we get it this would be a really hard movie to put together to make sure that the information is like yeah exactly well done denis (laughs) Denis. um but yeah no i think that's that's a good segue into sort of the thematics of the movie and obviously you know the big one is communication and by extension language obviously um before we keep talking about the movie we all just got our new beers yeah Mm -hmm. um so, Bowser, you, you uh, picked this one out. You want to tell us why? Uh, by the Alimentary Brewing Company, which is a brewery in Hackensack, New Jersey. Hackensack. It's called Low Earth Orbit. It's an oatmeal stout. I think it's obvious why I picked it. I mean, the Low Earth Orbit space theme. The aliens came in from orbit. In the books, they were actually in orbit, uh, even though in the movie they have these vessels that landed. Um, hmm. It's described as dark. Oh, it tastes like so, bacon. Um, Bacon, what? like maple glazed bacon. Maybe. Yeah, 
so they say we've engineered the stout with a more approachable burn and a yeah. profile combining the best of both roast and dark chocolate malts. Enjoy anywhere between sea level and low earth orbit. It's like started by engineers or something, right? Yeah. Something right like there. They're, that. they're engineers. Because I'm looking at the side of the bottle or can, excuse me. It says drinking for science, which is fine. Interesting, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the name, <laughs> under the name that, of the brewery. Yeah. Elementary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it has all these numbers on the side. Like, like sometimes like beers will list the IBU and, mm -hmm. and, the, and legally they have to list the ABV. But they also, yeah. also list the original gravity, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the CO2 I've never seen on a beer. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, same. 2. I don't, even know, what I don't even know what that's measuring. That, yeah, yeah that I'm sure it's dissolved CO2, but what the hell is SRM? I don't know. Serious rectal management. I hope not. <laughs> it's it's just it's just a color. It's a no, measurement no, no. of color in okay. beer. Uh, oh. Standard. It, it just well. stands for standard <laughs> reference method. So this beer is 199, which is like almost the. It's it's dark. It's very dark. Dark yeah, yeah. as possible. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Like this movie. Uh, <laughs> it's it's color 199. Yeah, that's perfect. So yeah, it is pretty dark, but it's definitely like they said. It's a little bit more approachable. That's um, good. Yeah, I like it. I did pour mine out and do it less. Okay. And it had a good head on it, but the head died very quickly. The head mm. did die very quickly. Which, That's very different was, uh, from the previous. Probably relevant to it the It could be the because CO2 of the low CO2 content. Mm. Carbonation One level is measured in volume for some reason. Oh. A carbonation level of two volumes means that every cubic inch of beer has two cubic inches of CO2. Uh, okay. The 2.4 would be two volumes has 2.4 volumes basically so two cubic inches of beer has 2.4 okay. cubic inches of co2 uh yeah. most beers are packaged with around 2.8 german weisses are 3.2 to 4.2 it says so i don't low. feel like this is a very important number no it's not number. but stouts generally have less co2 right in, in them i believe less bubbles it says traditionally irish stouts brown ales barley wine bitters have lost co2 whereas yeah Higher volumes are in lambics, things where you really want to smell. Things like that. There's a lot yeah. more to get from it. But yeah, it's it's good. Um, I'm usually not a huge fan of oatmeal stouts specifically, and milk stouts and stuff. I like a good. I love a good stout. Standard stout, but I don't know. It's I feel like a lot of breweries go crazy with their stouts. You know what I mean? And they're all kind of out there. This beer is supposed to be more approachable, so I think that's compared to like a a, a Russian imperial stout or something like that. Oh yeah, something you don't want. High ABV. That's right. hard to drink. This is a lot easier to drink. Absolutely. It goes right down. This is, yeah, this is going down like nothing. Very good. Okay. Excellent beer choices, I think. Because I'm you also not a huge stout. Uh, that's not usually my preference either, but I like this one. Just like <laughs> Amy Adams expands her perception of time, I am expanding <laughs> my perception of beer. That's interesting. I'm, I'm glad you picked that one. Thematics? Okay, so I, I feel like we haven't talked about why or how she experiences the future mm. or how she can see the future in this, in this movie. And the theory behind that in this movie, at least is that her learning the language sort of rewires her brain or her cognition to experience time differently because the language is nonlinear as we've been discussing. So she begins to experience time in a nonlinear fashion and, and therefore she can experience uh, future events not in a linear order and so she she knows or she can 
she can feel what's going to happen in the future. It's not exactly clear, but they try to make it so that it's not like a seeing experience, but it's more like a actual experience of being there. That's why they put her, I think, in those situations. And this is sort of derived from this linguistic theory called the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. The strong version of that hypothesis says that language determines thought and that linguistic categories limit and determine cognitive categories. Uh, basically that the language that you're speaking and the way that you speak that language determines how you think and how you act. And that's sort of what this movie is proposing is, is that strong version of this. Uh, I don't think that it's, it's not really accepted by most linguists. Most linguists would say that language has some sort of influence on the way you think, but it's not as strong as this movie proposes. This movie takes it to a new level. In other words, learning a new yeah. language wouldn't completely change the way you think, but it might influence your thoughts in some way because of how you're trying to express yourself, basically. Because that's what language is in itself, is is a way to express thoughts. Yeah. Sorry yeah. for the interruption, but that's... <laughs> no, that, no, that's, that's good. super important. No, it, it, it kind of framed all this because I feel like we, we hadn't figured that out yet. Yeah. Well, you know, we're going through this podcast non-linearly, so... <laughs> yeah, I just opened my first beer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, for shorthand, you can think of... It's sort of like Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen. The well, I can never remember the names of the aliens from um, Slaughterhouse Five. Trelf, Trelf, Valmadorians. Oh, Trelf, Yeah, Truffle trees. Yeah, but anyway, the idea is 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 you experience all moments at once, and there's no difference between past, present, and future. It's all the same, and because if if you inherently experience time and existence that way your language is built around that way and if you learn that language and you don't experience it that way that language may uh, ultimately get you to experience existence that way and that's so it's like saying like if you learned russian you might start to really like borscht no <laughs> no no maybe you no, didn't like what? it before but then because you learned the language you grew an appreciation for beats and <laughs> that's it's, it is that specific. You're right. Yep, that's exactly it. <laughs> Language is, is the cornerstone of civilization and culture. Culture influences the language, and the language of the culture also influences the language back. The way that a, um, a group of people might interpret their environment will influence the words that they have. It's, it's not chicken or the egg situation, yeah. right? They... They, they no, yeah. sort of influence each other simultaneously. Yeah. The whole idea of this experiencing time all at once is sort of a an Eastern philosophy, uh, Buddhist mm. uh, idea. There's a concept in Zen Buddhism called Enso, or circle, and it looks a lot like the circles that the aliens are drawing. It's uh, usually depicted by like a brush, you know, an ink brush stroke uh, of a circle. The pictures look a lot like ink. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, they do absolutely. Using, but basically, the concept is that the you know the Buddha experiences past, present, and future all at once. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's definitely what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole uh, there's a whole section on Wikipedia about the analogies with Buddhism, but I have a Ooh. hard time reading it because I keep flashing back to um, what that guy from Tiger King, Doc Ansel, 
What was his oh, name? Oh God! Um, he gave himself Bagavan? like a title. Bagavan? I just keep Bagavan. thinking. I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to read this whole paragraph, and I just like, oh, that guy with that fucking beard. That's all <laughs> he, 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 he has yeah, yeah, I'm experiencing all at the same time. <laughs> He's experiencing several women all at the same time. I think <laughs> but I think compared to other movies that talk about communication and things like that, like contact, this one they take the time to talk about the interpretation and subtleties of language. I mean, the biggest thing is, is when late in the movie where they've sort of exchanged a lot of vocabulary back and forth between mm-hmm. the humans and the heptopods, but it's still, it's not a huge vocabulary, right? Cause they're, everyone's still just kind of learning the heptopods say weapon. Yes. We don't know if they understand the difference between a weapon and a tool. Our language, like our culture, is messy, and sometimes one can be both. And it's quite possible that they're asking us to offer them something, but the other way around, like the first part of a trade. Well, what does weapon mean? Because mm-hmm. weapon and tool are very similar with a very subtle difference. In, yeah, it's a pretty, in most Western pretty significant languages, difference, yeah. The difference in context and implication is huge, mm-hmm. but the difference in understanding of meaning is subtle. Interesting. Yeah. So like if you don't know the language very well, a tool and a weapon, those two words might seem very similar, but to Mm -hmm. us, the implication of one or the other is huge. Right. Are they going to attack us? Do they want to give us something? Uh, Because give is another part, right? Are they actually offering it or are they giving it in terms of it's going from them to us as in they are firing a weapon at us? Ooh. Yeah, I didn't even think about it that way. Like he's really giving it to her. <laughs> that's sure. that's what the alien meant to say. <laughs> yeah. He just didn't know the language well enough. <laughs> she brings up that story about kangaroo, the word kangaroo. Oh, yeah, that was a good part. Kangaroo. What is that? In 1770, Captain James Cook's ship ran aground off the coast of Australia and he led a party into the country and they met the Aboriginal people. One of the sailors pointed at the animals that hop around and put their babies in their pouch, and he asked what they were, and the Aborigines said, kangaroo. And a point is? It wasn't until later that they learned that kangaroo means I don't understand. So I need this so that we don't misinterpret things in there. Otherwise, this is going to take 10 times as long. I can show that for now. It's a good story. Thanks. It's not true. But it proves my point. It's a made up story, but it made gets up my story. Point across. But it proves her point, which is another thing about language and communication, correct? Doesn't matter that it's true or not. She's communicating an idea to him and she's using that to get that idea across. Right. It's a complex right. idea. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a pineapple. In every other language except for English, pineapple is ananas. But in English, it's pineapple. Just English people were just like, fuck you, it's pineapple. It's a <laughs> pine cone apple. Everyone's wrong. <laughs> we got this. <laughs> Let's use 12 inches instead. <laughs> and I think one of the, what, what's interesting, especially if we're talking about the word weapon, is the first thing Jeremy Renner says to Amy Adams when they're in the helicopter is he reads back uh, the introduction to one of her papers. And the mm-hmm. final line of that passage that he reads is language is the first weapon drawn in a conflict. Yes. Which is fascinating to think about. If we're going back to language being a cornerstone of culture and civilization, 
most of the differences people have in conflict is a is a difference of culture. Well, it's also a someone wants some resources. Sure. But in terms of driving people to conflict, it's usually a difference of culture. Mm-hmm. And then that's exactly what what kind of plays out throughout the rest of the movie where you have, um, for, I don't think we really talked about this, but the soldiers that kind of go rogue for a minute. Oh, yeah. The guy who's you see him early in the movie and he's like talking to his wife who's very worried. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess they were watching or listening to something, watching a yeah, which is like a, a Fox yeah. News something. Type. Essentially Something like Alex like, Jones, right? Alex Jones, yeah, more extreme. Yeah, where it's like a totally so, like refusal to understand the culture of the heptopods, for example, or the civilization of the heptopods, and just assume that because they're different, can't understand. They're an enemy. That creates conflict. Yeah, yeah, it creates conflict. It's one of those movies where it's like all of these things are kind of wrapped up together. Um, yeah, they, they try to wrap Yeah. And they're all kind of layered within each other. Um, and it's hard to kind of separate them out and talk about them. Does she only talk in weird stories the whole movie? Uh, there's a lot of it. That That's kind of what I was saying before about the dialogue feeling a little heavy handed or like who talks like that. Yeah. Jeremy Renner had some lines, too, that felt like what? No one. No one talks like this. But in the context of the story, it's it's sort of not important. It's more about these themes that we're discussing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like if I asked her, like, hey, hey, Amy, can you go, go to the store and buy me some milk? And she'd be like, well, the cows are lying down. <laughs> and that's it. And you're like, what? But really, she no. meant that it's fucking raining out. Like, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, while yeah. we're on this topic, do you think it makes sense to have a linguist and a theoretical physicist heading up this research team? Doesn't it seem like a biologist or. I don't know. I yeah, feel like their, their, their staffing was a little messy. Well, I think the, great for the story. So you have a linguist to talk to them because they want to understand why are they here? What do they want? And how do they get here? I think having Ian, Jeremy Renner's character there is sort of to help interpret what the linguist can get out of the questions they ask the aliens. Mm-hmm. Cause you need a theoretical I, physicist to understand. Space so like travel. everybody's just a plot, just a plot device. Yes. Uh, I think like, so. I think like I think that the theoretical physicist is a bit of a stretch. I don't see why you would need a physicist. I especially mean, what about to... the guy in Jurassic Park? Which guy? What? Jeff Goldblum. I don't know what you're talking about. The but he doesn't talk to the, the dinosaurs. Ki- the, Jeff... the chaos. The yeah. Yeah, but, like, why is yeah. he there? Doesn't mean like he's just there to explain why everything. Well, well Jurassic going Park on. is an amusement park, so he just goes to have some fun. Right? That's <laughs> 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 how he gets his kicks. Yeah. Well, like, but he's but just there to like, explain more about it. Uh, I think yeah. that's a valid criticism. I think a biologist would have been more useful. I mean, you need to know what these aliens are, what sort right. of what they yeah, can do, I mean, how they can. I function. guess, but if you're if you're looking at it from a militaristic point of view, which this is clearly run by the military, and whether that's mm-hmm. a plot device or not, mm-hmm. then they're going to try to figure out the nature of their ship, Spacecraft. their travel, sure, and then potentially their weapons. But wouldn't right. you want a biologist to determine what their weaknesses are? Are they immune to human diseases? Are they? Uh, I suppose. Yeah. Do they breathe to... air? Yeah. Oxygen. And even like the linguist, it feels like you might. Are they silicon-based like life forms or carbon-based <laughs> life forms? What are they? <laughs> right. <laughs> Having a linguist seems like maybe you'd. Want... I guess they did. Never mind. I'm going to backtrack because they did kind of <laughs> establish that she worked for the military before to essentially be a code breaker, deciphering languages. In the past, was there a linguist in the I movie? Think you'd Evolution? Want a li- 
No, I don't think so. No. Is that was, the movie with what, the alien? Was, uh, like the, yeah. Orlando Jones. Orlando uh, Jones. Linguist, the comedy. And, uh, what's his Sean name? William Scott. Are any of them linguists? I think there was a bi- from, one of them was a uh, biologist, right? Is that the one where Seth Rogen plays an alien? <clears throat> no. And, like, they pick that's him Paul. Up? That's Paul. that's that's not up. That's <laughs> right. Uh, the no, evolution, yeah, evolution is actually with... in that movie. I fact checked oh. that. Yeah, but doesn't want. But who figures out that selenium is the poison? One is a generic college professor, and one is a geologist. <laughs> the only, uh, the only. So he's up everything all in one. He's every plot device at once. The only part of that movie I remember is when they're standing under it, and the alien farts on them. <laughs> yeah. In any case, I think I think the military would bring in a linguist only if the aliens are actively trying to communicate something. It, exactly. I guess in this seems... movie, they heard the sounds and they said, "Right." Is this a language? Can we communicate? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they they did establish that they had brought in other people. He says something like, yeah. oh, you did better than the last guy. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, language is the big one to talk about. But the other thing, obviously, is is time and not quite time on its own, but the idea of inevitability and uh, self-fulfilling. Fate. Fate versus free will. In a way, yeah. It's like... Mm. predetermination predetermination yes thank yes. you yeah like i, I watched uh, minority report recently great movie. which is such a good movie but the same sort of idea where would he have gotten himself into that situation if he didn't know he was going to get into that situation right mm-hmm. fantastic question yeah and definitely the part of the this movie that sticks with you as most time travel movies i think do it's you kind of try and pick out the the paradoxes or the the issues with time travel like all right if you knew what amy adams knew louise and you were able to see the future obviously the big point of contention between her and ian they have a child and she finally tells him and that she, she knows the child's leaves. gonna die yeah. and that clearly upset him now they don't say it explicitly but my assumption is that he's like why did you go forward yeah. with having this kid so right. my question to you mm-hmm. all, uh, would you have that kid? I think if you knew the kid was going to die young from a terrible disease. But you already know that you're going to have the kid. You don't have a choice. Yeah, I so think that, that. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting question. You're already you having a choice. You could, you're already having the kid. Yeah. The child is being bored and dying at the same time. There's no choice. Yeah. There's. OK, so that that's one of that's the a little answers. Or does she or is but, her free will to choose Yes, I know the child's going to die, but I still want to let this life experience happen and grow and develop and make have some impact on either just her or the world or whatever. Because you could also see it in that direction, I think, that she's making the conscious choice. I have a different sort of take on it. And I think Mm -hmm. that in order to experience the future as she does in this movie, she has to accept and sort of choose that she's going to act in accordance with it. In other words, the whole thing with the with stealing the phone and getting the call in, I mean, that's mm-hmm. clearly like something that she chooses to do in the, in the second, but only because she knows that she sees that it happens, right? She understands that it happens and that right. she can call this the Chinese commander. Yeah. But my, my thought is that in order to understand the alien language and fully immerse herself in it, she has to sort of accept this future. I mean, this is like a, you know, a sort of dumbed down version of Buddhist philosophy, but it's almost, you know, like an acceptance of her Fate. future and her 
fate. Yeah. Yeah. And the question is, but it's not that it's predetermined. She... It's that it's an acceptance, and that's how yeah. she sees it, and that's how it happens. There's, the, I guess, the 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 idea is that there's no alternative where she decides to not get involved with Jeremy Renner and have this kid, because if that future doesn't exist, this present doesn't exist. Which is, yeah, that's a, that's a mind bender right there. It's hard. It's it's yeah, exactly. It, it's hard for us to think about. Back, back to the we original just, question. I would have the yeah. kid. I mean, you like people go out and get dogs all the time knowing they're going to die. <laughs> okay, so you're saying children and dogs. You're, you're no, no, no. I'm just saying like them. a dog brings you happiness while you have it and then it dies. Yeah. Well, you know it's going to die. That seems to undervalue the <laughs> like, dog's perception. And I, yeah, of course. But like, <laughs> I, ideally, your child outlives you, and you don't have to deal with the death of that child, and it's yes. not something that you have to confront. But mm-hmm. on a lower level, like you get a dog, knowing it's going to die. Yeah, I think I agree. And she sort of says this, I think, too, in the movie. You know, she she asked Jeremy Renner at the end, "If you knew your whole life from start to finish, would you change anything?" And then she goes in her narration, despite knowing the journey. And where it leads. I embrace it. And I welcome every moment of it. She says all of this and all of the pain that comes with it, knowing what happens is worth it because you are still here regardless. Yeah. You know, even for a little bit. And that's worth it to me. Because I'm saying if somebody dies, they don't matter. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they w- she wants to live in a world where she knows her daughter, even if she passes right. away. Yeah, that's fair. I would strongly question it. It would be tough to know that, at least the way the story is presented. She knows her daughter is going to die, even before she, before she has it, <laughs> before yeah. she gets with Jeremy Renner. Right. You know, when he asks, "Do you want to make a baby?" What if she's like, "You know what? You is just that how jerk off." It? Yeah, that's what he says. You want to <laughs> that's make what a baby. Said. It's a oh. weird line. That's very. She should have. She should have just been like, Plotkin. you know what? Go jerk off in the corner real quick, and then we'll have sex. Because if we if we fuck with this, the, the kid's gonna die. So okay, I blame so... his sperm. I think I think the problem. Is <laughs> what? <sperm. laughs> that's not gonna change the future. Wait, wait. All right, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I have I have another I have I have another question for everybody. So assuming you, <laughs> assuming you accept the fact that the that you're going to have this daughter, mm-hmm. or this child, or, mm-hmm. or or whatever, you you accept. Uh, you're gonna buy the dog. You're, you're gonna, gonna buy you the dog, the even future. though you know it's gonna. Stop saying dog. You said dog. I know. I made a bad analogy. The other child. The other <laughs> question. The other Comment. question is: Say it's a child. You accept that it's going to die, and you decide to have it anyway. Do you or do you not tell your partner? I feel like I would be teaching my partner this language to allow them to see the future the, or allow them to experience time the way that she experiences time. Mm-hmm. That, that's the purpose. The aliens came, right? Yep. They said that they, it's not just her that needs to know it. It's all of humanity that needs mm-hmm. to change their frame of reference so that they can help them in 3000 years or whatever. But I, I would want to teach my significant other, but then knowing that the child's going to die. But then why do you get to make that choice without them? If you're going to teach yeah. them that anyway. What I feel you like you have to tell them that and then show them why you know. So you're saying tell them that the child's going to die and then show them the language? Yeah. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. 
Otherwise, I, there's I, no point in telling them. Well, they would they would mm. see it for themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's fine that they saw it for themselves. But like, you still made that decision alone without them. You so, know? so Did would you, you are you saying that it's predetermined? Are you saying well, that it would be, hypothetically would be better to teach the language and then have them find out on the if you have the amount of time? Yes, it would be better to teach the language mm -hmm. and then make the decision together. Sure. Oh, but that's fair. they really can't make the decision, yeah. right? It's what's going to happen is going to happen. That, yeah, but maybe maybe in this hypothetical world, you have a year. But what whatever. he's saying is that if you teach your partner the language, then they theoretically should understand as you do. Yes. Acceptance. Also, but like, otherwise, you're, it, otherwise you're selfish with, for not doing it with them. Yeah. And I think you would just be able to communicate because her brain is now in a totally different frame of reference, like plane of existence almost that yeah i would true. want to be able to communicate with my partner i mean either you you teach them and then make the decision together or you never tell them oh i think i agree with that and that's a hard Otherwise, thing to live with yeah, if you don't tell terrible. them yeah but yeah. i think that's the only fair thing i think i agree with that because but otherwise she but she, she didn't did and she him. and she told him and that destroyed the relationship which Lots i guess for her seemed to seemed to be okay because it was really about the daughter and not her relationship with him anyway. And it's just Jeremy Renner. <laughs> <laughs> Damn furrowed brow. <laughs> but that, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a difficult thing to think about. Um, it is, but I think, uh, I, and back to Bowser's point about the Zen Buddhism and uh, that it's more so about the acceptance of the future than necessarily what specifically that future holds and I, th I i think there's a difference in storytelling anyway uh between predetermination and fate because mm. predetermination is just things are going to happen the way they're going to happen fate implies some sort of design even something's if it's, going to happen doesn't matter how you get there yes but it also implies that it's happening for a specific reason that a higher power has determined now that is an interesting read on is the word fate. Fate does fate need uh, you to have a, a god? Not necessarily a god or a god specifically. Uh, but... Sorry, I'm using god interchangeably with higher power. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, um, but I think fate, at least the connotation of fate that we have is that mm. it implies that there is a larger design rather than that's predetermination, where things just happen and that's the way they're going to happen for no particular reason, uh, yeah. but that's just the way they yeah. happen. I think fate that, implies that, like, fair. if you struggle against it, it's going to happen anyway. Right. right. It'll it'll work its way out. So even if you jerked off in the corner the next time, <laughs> they would have had sex. <laughs> they would have still made this child. Yeah. <laughs> it's fate. It's fate. And also predetermined. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't necessarily have that connotation with the word fate. I would... I would say those. And look how we're talking about there. these subtle differences in words. In language, yeah, yeah it's perfect. Yeah. yeah, I would use them interchangeably. There's another movie, by the way, called Pre. It's not Predestination. I think it's Predestination with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like really a time like cop or something, right? Mm -hmm. Time yeah. cop. Time cop. Ooh, Ooh, like a cool <laughs> robot. Great, great term. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I have I have one more question for you guys before we move on from thematics, but I want to I want to get your guys' opinion. <laughs> Especially Andrew, because um, I think oh, this good. applies to him. I have a lot of opinions that go nowhere. Okay, so <laughs> assume we inherently interpret time non-linearly, um, okay. like the heptapods. Would humans still 
create or have created music the way we understand it? Well, I mean, are humans interpreting their own time non-literally? Or yeah, all like time? assume that we interpret time non-linear inherently, as opposed to like having learned it later, like this movie implies. Interesting. Um, no, I think you'd I have agree. a different art form. Yeah. It wouldn't be music because music is very time dependent. Right. If you can experience the start and the beginning of a song at the same time, you don't get the same emotional build. Yeah. And rhythm, obviously, yeah, wouldn't exist. Oh, okay. You There'd absolutely be if, like a sound thing. Yes. It wouldn't be music. This as is very we know difficult. It. As we this know. This is very you'd difficult like, to perceive. You'd like you'd build beautiful chords and like things like that. Right. And like the different harm, like harmony would be a thing, but music wouldn't be a thing. Yeah, I think I agree. That's I'm, I'm having a tough time <laughs> picturing this, right? I mean, just because you're saying that music like, even like time. the frequency of a sound, you wouldn't experience the frequency. You'd you'd be hearing the, oh, the that's top and bottom of the of the wave. Yeah, but all you at the but you'd be time. able to feel the way the waves are interacting, even though you're experiencing them all at at the same time. You can still choose to experience like at it, at like a quote unquote a, real pace. Like a wave is energy at a frequency, right? Correct. So if you experience that energy at two different frequencies at the same time, you're going to feel it differently. So like if you have many different frequencies all building on each other with different harmonics and dissonance and things like that, it's all mm-hmm. going to hit the same way. Or it's going to hit mm-hmm. with like a, a certain type of harmony. Right. It feels, like, it feels like it should. It yeah. feels like it should because we're saying it from our perspective. I know. Yeah, but I guess what Ben is, is saying it, too is, is like, do you interpret yeah, frequency the same way you sound even a thing anymore? Yeah. Yeah. But then is light a thing? Like, no, either. Lights is light a wave. Yeah. Wow. Ben, what are your questions before we get too deep in this? How the hell does a college professor able to buy this dope house? Right on a lake. Right on what, a lake. What what state? The giant windows. We don't know. It's in, in we don't know what no, state. That's why. Could I be... mean, you could buy a piece yeah. of shit house in Michigan on a lake. I it's a very nice house. But I, I assumed it was like a work... family house and she inherited it somehow. Uh, okay. I wouldn't assume that. If you work in a college in the Midwest, yeah, you, you can, can buy a gigantic house. probably get there. And, and if you're like a full professor who's tenured or whatever, you're making a good amount of money. At a I mean, you, you could work at Stevens and have a one bedroom apartment and then have a, a late house in PA. No problem. All right. That's fair. That's or you fair. can work at Ohio NYU. State and have a giant house. Maybe her, maybe her work with the military back in the Middle East, they gave her a bunch of money. They're I like, doubt it. Pick, you mean like, you mean like they paid her for her services? <laughs> I don't think the government does They that. gave her a bunch of money? <laughs> <laughs> mean the government paid her? Right, what, what's, what's, what's your next question? Model? Okay, so at the beginning, she talks about Portuguese. I think it's two or three times. Today we are talking about Portuguese and why it sounds so different from the other Romance languages. Uh, The story of Portuguese begins in the Kingdom of Galicia in the Middle Ages, where language was seen as an expression of art. While this movie is about language in general and that as a medium for perception, why is Portuguese something that they seem to gravitate towards? Uh, I think they I only mentioned it that one time. Well, I mean, oh, really? I, I mean, 
I've technically, talked about it a couple times. it's a good point. It, I be, I don't know the etymology and the history of Portuguese. Like, if you look at it, she says why it sounds different. Not it sounds it different, is. but it looks similar. It has a lot of the same. Like, you look at the the words, you can trace it back to the Latin word pretty easily. But mm-hmm. it does sound very different and has very different pronunciations. And the way the words are used are, is a little different. Um, I didn't know if it had to do with like Portuguese were colonists back in the day, right? They were no, they had, no. not not Maybe. colonists, but they uh, you know explored the planet. The difference, explorers. No, that's that's true. Yeah, but I mean, just a thought. Yeah, could be wrong. A lot of the stuff. You know, you might think there's a deeper meaning to, and there might not be, like with the Portuguese thing. But I so think the main the, point was just that the languages are sort of products of the culture and their development, is what she was trying to say. I'm not sure right. how true that is, but that's what I think the point was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But Portuguese. My other question is why the hell these spaceships are shaped like beans and lenses and what mm. does their orientation mean because there's a couple parts in the movie when they like go upright and then they go to the side and they go a little higher well they don't experience any... gravity linearly just it's a wave <laughs> neither do we really but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> um i was reading about how they came up with the design for that it's based on an asteroid there's a specific okay. asteroid called 15 eunomia that has this very <laughs> odd egg-like shape, and they just liked the design, decided to, to um, yeah. design the spaceships after that. So there's not much interesting beyond that. It was purely aesthetic why they arrived on that design. The idea. That's I my think, other question too is why why they changed the title. I think the title could have been better. So oh, there's a whole thing about that in the on the Wikipedia. Oh. Yeah, yeah. They said uh, they came up with hundreds of titles from the cast, the crew, from all kinds of different people. And still, the first one suggested was Arrival. That's the one they went with. So they initially called the movie the same as the story, the short story, which is Story of Your Life. And I guess that didn't test well with test. It audiences. wouldn't test well. It's not interesting. It's, exactly. Um, yeah. As a movie, yeah, it doesn't really work. Um, Arrival's so, good and vague. So Arrival. But Arrival yeah, also it's kind more, of... It's a better movie title. It's not yeah. a good short story title. But it kind of it works really well because it's like... Okay, there's a arrival, right? Like the aliens arrive on Earth. But yep. also at the end of the movie was the only time we see the title card right as the story ends and then it goes into the, the, the credit roll. The credits. Uh, yeah. That's when you arrive. Because she arrives at the moment, that nexus moment between her past and her future where they become one. Because that's where her daughter's life starts. The story of her daughter's life starts mm-hmm. at that moment when... They leave the site and the aliens go back home. But it doesn't start. Or So end. everything arrives right there. And there's also the connotation of arrival as in terms of the delivery of a baby. Oh, oh. wow. Well, yeah, oof. I did not oof. think about any of that. I was just like, oh, they did this cool thing with the palindrome of the daughter's name, Hannah. Why didn't they mm-hmm. make the title or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Do we want to do a quick beer check? This is definitely what do we all think uh, of. It's I like it. It's, I like it's it higher higher alcohol for sure. Um, but I know I well, like the it first lot. one was higher alcohol than this. Dance yeah. language is higher is alcohol than the you're you're feeling the look. dance language. You're not feeling this. Oh, it is eight percent. Yeah, dance is eight. This is six point seven. They're both okay on the higher end, obviously of the standard four to five percent beer. But uh, mm-hmm. it's no Coors Light. <laughs> no Coors Light. <laughs> Stouts generally feel feel stronger than they are a lot yeah. of the time. 
Oh, they definitely hit harder. I like both of these beers a lot. Yeah, uh, thumbs up choices. Which is really surprising to me because, like I mentioned, these are not the types of beers that I would usually go for. But But they're both a little more middle of the road than like they than like a stout would normally be or a Mm -hmm. stout would normally be. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was saying. Much more approachable. Yeah, where like a lot of stout, like a lot of breweries, like take a stout and they make it ridiculous. And they're peanut butter chocolate porter stout. Exactly, and it's like burn everything. I don't want that. <laughs> Which I like, great. and it's right, but it always comes in too large of a bottle. Mm. <laughs> you just want to taste a little mm-hmm. So have we settled on a r- ranking system? Oh, for the beers? For the beer, oh, yeah, for the, the movie? Beers. No. I think we should do them. Is the answer. <laughs> Can I go first? Yeah, Andrew, go, yes. yeah, go first. Cool. All right, so I want to start with the first beer. Dance the, language? Farmhouse. The Farmhouse Saison E... I had the Japanese knotweed variety. It's good. I'd give it a three out of four. Three, three pints out of four. Three reels out of four. Okay. Whatever we're doing. Uh, the second beer, I liked it as well. Um, I'd give it a four out of four because mm. it's right in that between 75% and 100%. And I like to round up. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the movie, uh, I didn't watch it. I'd give it a two out of four. Ooh. Um, because I liked, I and mean, that's not, it's not a bad ranking. No, it's a bad grade if you're in school, but it's not a bad rating. Well, I, I, I'm only surprised because your review of the Wikipedia page was probably the most stellar out of it. Yeah, that's true. No, no, that's on the, the Wikipedia page's representation of the movie. How well it represents it, not the quality of the movie itself. Okay. And the which story is interesting to me. Off the Wikipedia but it's kind of like a short story, which is fine, but it's not a lot there. I, I like the ideas it's trying to present. But even listening to you guys talk about it, it didn't really seem like something I, I didn't like. Like we, we talked about Baby Driver. Like I, I want to go watch Baby Driver. I still haven't. I might. But I want to watch. <laughs> well, like, I want to go out there and like. It's all about like, intent. If there's like, anything I, you learn from this movie. I feel like I don't intent. need to go watch this movie now. Anyway. I guess you got enough from our conversation. And so. this is a good podcast. So, you know, people yeah. know. <laughs> I, would, I would, though, Andrew, I would recommend reading the short story. I, th- I think you would like the short story. Which I might do that. Yeah. I might do that. We'll see. I think so, you would like uh, you would like his stories anyway, but yeah. I'll check them out. Uh, so three out of four, four out of four, two out of four. That's person. Basil. I'm gonna give the first beer we had, the the dance language I had, the meadow foam variety. I'm gonna give that a four out of four. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good I generally like farmhouse ales, uh saisons, and it had that honey sort of sweetness to it, but it wasn't like really sweet and it mm. had an interesting herbal sort of flavor. So there's a lot going on. Four to four. Yeah. Uh, and the second one, I'll give that a three. I'll give the, the stout a three out of four. It was a good stout. Definitely really good. I didn't like wow me in any way. So that's why I'm giving it a three. I think it was just a really good solid stout. In the movie, I am also going to give it a three out of four. The whole time I was watching it, I think I enjoyed it. And this movie doesn't go into much into things that deep, but it sort of presents these concepts makes you think about them a little bit yeah that's kind of why i like the movie i don't think it's something that i'll remember years down the line but you know maybe the concepts that it might make you think about are sort of memorable so that's why i'm giving it a three out of four kind of like it's not like yeah it's not the best story but it sort of makes you think and it sort of gets you thinking i don't think it expresses anything deep necessarily but it gets you thinking about these concepts uh, I'm going to follow it because my ratings are exactly the same as Bowser. I thought the first beer 
the farmhouse uh, was delicious, not too sweet, very drinkable. I could see myself having a few of these. So four out of four. The elementary stout, again, just not being someone who prefers stouts, I'm not as drinkable, but for a stout, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm giving it the three out of four. And the the movie, I agree. I might give it a 3.5 if that were allowed, but no, I'll give it a three. Sure. <clears throat> no, it's um, not allowed. I would have given oh, different okay. ratings for everything. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would give 3.18. Yeah, because I think, and, and I toyed with four. a, yeah, I toyed with a, uh, a four out of four, but it's just like four out of four is perfect. And I think mm. the things we discussed where some of the visual effects maybe could have been better. Some of the dialogue could have been a little bit more finely tuned and they could have, like Bowser said, a lot of it's the surface level <laughs> conversation that allows you to start asking these questions for yourself. And that's what sticks with you. And I think that's a really good quality of this movie. I think a, a, a better movie would have delved a little deeper into some of those. So three out of four on the movie. I think I'm in in line with that. I think the the first beer, like like Bowser and and, and Ben said, is super drinkable. It's pr- it's pretty delicious. Um, I'm I would be curious to try the other varietals that you guys had, uh, and compare it to to the one I had. Um, I would like to try them all side by side. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But it was yeah, no, it was really good. It was it was very pleasant to drink. Very pleasant to drink. The second beer, again, I I, I you know I said this much. I don't like ridiculous stouts but this was a very nice straightforward stout that was also pretty easy to drink as stouts go so i think the first beer i would i would give yeah four out of four second beer i'm gonna say three out of four but it would probably be actually land somewhere between three and four out of four and then same with the movie i'm gonna give it three out of four instead of four out of four but i think it really lands somewhere in between for me movies that present these types of questions are extremely powerful and i think that's kind of why we make movies and tell these stories anyway is to sort of ask these questions of ourselves and i think this movie does a really good job of doing that and not only that is it presents questions you wouldn't normally otherwise think about that other movies don't really talk about that much um we're going to change gears a little bit on our next episode where i think we're going to do uh little shop fours uh we're talking about the 80s version with rick moranis so it'll be our first musical, like actual legit musical. I know we talked about how Baby Driver could probably be a musical, but this is an actual straightforward musical. So I think it'll be uh, it'll be a fun time. Obviously, this movie had um, it was all about the aliens. It references a bunch of other uh, classic sci-fi, including Contact and Slaughterhouse Five. So we want to hear from you guys what your favorite fictional alien species is, and why is it the Worm Guys from Men in Black? Because they're clearly the best. Yeah, they got cigars and women. Well, I mean, wait, wait, what's, they're pretty what's good. the name of the aliens in Space Jam? The Monsters. Monsters. The Monsters, Monsters. yeah. Those, yeah. Got, those have my vote. Yeah, but know. they were villains. I know. I... Yeah, but what weird <laughs> villains try and steal basketball skills? Mugsy Bugsy's powers. <laughs> Mugsy <laughs> so, so yeah so uh let us know what your favorite alien uh, movie alien species is uh you can uh, send it to us on twitter which is at at, at, the, at the brewies <laughs> at, at the brewies or twitter.com slash at the brewies or our email which is at the brewies at gmail.com rob do you have a favorite alien species 
I don't know yet. Um, one, two, three, go. <laughs> you mentioned one, the black. Two, I like. Three. I think honestly, I like the um, the uh, the roach species better than the than the worms because they're just the so silly. Why oh, is there? You mean why are men in black? Yeah. Sugar. Why are there space roaches? And why are they that's exactly what I, that's the what same? I meant. That's what I meant by the worms. Was the guys with the cigars? No, you're See, you're, talking, a, you're talking about the, no. the the coffee aliens, right? The yeah, you're talking about the coffee aliens. Yeah. I don't know. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the um, <laughs> who the, are very fun. the roaches, the bad ones, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, no, no, no. Guy. Sorry. Oh, you're talking Sugar. about like the uh, alien that wears the Edger suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You like them better than the the goofy? Aliens? They're more interesting <laughs> because they're so ridiculous. What about the Balchinians? Balchinians, yeah. <laughs> no, that's but also, I mean, I have to say the top uh, contender. Whatever alien is Frank the Pug is pretty great too. Oh yeah, yeah. I like the aliens in District Nine. Oh, oh yeah, they're pretty great. The, the prawns, insects. prawns, yeah, which yeah. is offensive. That's our word. Don't don't put that in the show. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks for listening. Send us your aliens. <laughs> Send us your aliens, yes, please. Send like us your the, uh, aliens Mon- via email like or Mon- Twitter. To I like the Mont Calamari from uh, Star Wars. Oh yeah. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. If, we, if we want to talk about racist aliens, that's that's a great place to start. <laughs> Ooh. What about like Predator? Predator's oh, kind of Predator's like, pretty eh. badass. He's badass, but it's like, where are your friends? Dude? He's also kind of <laughs> fucking weird looking. Do you count Thor <clears throat> as an alien? Thor He's is alien, technically right? an alien. He's, He's probably alien. the prettiest. He's a man. The prettiest. There are so many He's man the aliens. aliens. They're kind of boring. I mean, like yeah. I mean, technically, Luke's Luke Skywalker is an alien, right? That's true. Yeah, Han Solo is an alien. You yeah, know, I really like Nathan Lane like, the... in Titan AE. What alien was that? <laughs> yeah, what was he? Nathan <laughs> looks Lane. Like, I don't know. I've never He's seen like some weird dog, goofy, fucking bizarre. Yeah, what that, is he that look movie's like? like it's, it's so it's so close. It's such oh, a weird barf, movie. John Candy is barf. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. That is yeah, the number one barf. best alien. It, Shut it yeah. down. That's it. Don't barf. email us. Forget shit. it. Don't, Don't even bother. Anything all right. on Twitter. Chris, just save all this. Barf following you. That's time. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening, everybody. See you soon. Right. Thanks, everybody.